Hello everyone! It is a beautiful, not so spring day here in May and today also happens to be the Taurus new moon so happy new moon and I am excited to bring today's episode to you. I say that every single time but it's really really true. Today I'm talking to Riz Cottrell who is an astrologer and shadow work coach and I actually know her personally so this is good because I'm actually introduced to her face-to-face and know her in person, not just digitally. I met her through a friend and I was really, really fascinated by her approach to astrology and how she incorporates astrology into shadow work and how astrology really is just a tool to dive into the unconscious aspects of ourselves, our conditioning, our patterning, programs wounding and I that's why I love her approach and her perspective so much because I have never ever been explained in this way about astrology like most astrologers do interpretations where they try to fit you to the chart that's not how Riss does it Riss does it in a very beautiful holistic very intuitive way where she is really speaking to you and asking you if this is in resonance with you and that's why I love her approach and her approach is also different from what normal astrologers use she uses an entirely different system and she will explain what system she uses and so this is a very potent episode if you want to understand how to use astrology to do shadow work to heal to look at your unconscious aspects of who you are your conditioning and how to use your chart as the way to understand why you struggle with what you struggle with and how you can transform heal and develop and bring the essence of who you are and your soul into this world and live from that place of true alignment and true knowing of who you be. Also, before we start this episode, I would love it and I would appreciate it so much if you take a few moments and leave a review on iTunes. Share your thoughts, share your ahas, just your testimony of how you're enjoying the podcast and just some words of affirmation would be great about the podcast as it helps get the podcast into the ears of more listeners. So let's dive into today's episode with Riz Cottrell. Welcome to the Unlearn Yourself podcast. This is the place to discover and remember yourself as you unlearn who you have been taught to be. We will explore who your true self is by diving into your inner world and creating the most empowering, aligned, and free relationship with you and your life. Okay, I'm really, really excited to talk to you today. I want to start off by asking you, what words would you use to describe yourself? Oh gosh, what words would I use to describe myself? Um, curious, um, rebellious, truth-seeking, spiritual, 
mystical. I get that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Those are probably, you know, the ones that first come to mind. <laughs> awesome. I love it. Um, since we are talking about astrology today, uh, you're like the exact person to ask about this is what's your sun, moon and rising? Yeah, my sun is Aquarius. My rising is also Aquarius and my moon is Cancer. Yay. I'm an Aquarius too, so. <laughs> Yay! And I see that you're a Capricorn moon as well and a Sag rising. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of very extreme archetypes going on there. Mm-hmm, for sure. Um, I want I want to ask you uh, what has what has gotten you to the path that you're on today with mixing astrology with shadow work with really um, I call it helping people come home to themselves. What got you on that path? I love that you said that, you know, what you said around people coming home to themselves, because really what kind of got me on this path was I was super lost. Um, And I was a scientist for so long, but it felt really inauthentic. And it felt like I wasn't actually following my authenticity and the path that was actually calling me. Mm -hmm. And so that felt really painful because it was this odd dynamic where I was doing what society wanted me to do. And I was kind of doing something that was, that's valuable to society. Um, But in the end, it didn't feel authentic to me. And it's interesting because that really, I have so much Aquarius and that really is the Aquarian journey, you know, is like kind of dancing to the beat of your own drum Mm -hmm. and not necessarily you know, following the grain, doing what people want you to do, but more so following your own path and your own heart and staying true to yourself. Mm -hmm. So when did you make that shift in yourself? Um, So I actually had a spiritual awakening while I was in college, Mm -hmm. which completely just shifted my life a hundred percent. So I was on this like very serious path. I was going to a private school for biomedical engineering. I had done four internships at different labs and I was just on this crazy serious path. And I had an experience actually, like a, just like a lightning bolt kind of moment um, where a series of events led me to this realization that I was not on the right path. Mm. And it was so painful. It was like the illusion was just shattered, Mm. you know? And I realized in that moment that I needed to dedicate my life to shaping my mind and shaping my reality and creating my own reality and understanding myself. Mm -hmm. And so because before that I had been, you know, not just on this very serious path to becoming a scientist, but I was also heavily drinking Mm -hmm. and using a lot of drugs. And so I just was lost altogether. And I knew from this awakening moment that I really had to focus on my self-study and create my reality. And from that period of time, I started deeply just meditating every single day for hours and hours every day. And I had never meditated before. (laughs) And so um, people didn't really understand what I was doing. And I lost a lot of friends. My, my journey changed a hundred percent. I almost dropped out of school. 
Mm-hmm. And I ended up graduating because my parents had worked really hard to get me to school. Um, but I, so I graduated, but I still felt like there was this inauthentic thing inside of me. Like I just wasn't on the right path. Mm. And so when I graduated, I actually packed up my car and I didn't know anybody in Colorado. I didn't have a place to live. I didn't know anyone. <clears throat> I didn't have a job. Um, I literally just packed up my car and I came to Colorado because I knew that people on my path were attracted to this area. And I came out here looking for people. So that was kind of like the shift for me was that like awakening moment. Mm, that's really powerful. I really like that you said shaping your mind. That's a lot um, of my own journey too. Mm-hmm. It's powerful. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I think I, I realized at that point that the reason why my life was such a mess was because of my mind. Yeah. So I needed to focus on reshaping it and I needed to, fo- and that entailed shadow work. So mm-hmm. I had to do so much shadow work mm-hmm. and I realized that that was really my path is mm-hmm. like really diving deeply into shadow work and, and helping other people to do it too. Yeah. So what is shadow work for the newbie? Someone who's hearing this for the first time, what is shadow work? Sure. Yeah. I actually get that question a lot. Um, formally shadow work was a term that was coined by Carl Jung. And so it's, it's basically a term to describe the subconscious parts of yourself that are operating in the background, um, that resulted possibly from trauma Mm -hmm. and it creates these shadows within you, you know? And so it refers to the unconscious parts of you that are hidden in the shadows that you don't necessarily see, but it also refers to the shadows, like, um, just kind of the, the unconscious behavioral patterning that comes out as a result of pain and wounding. Mm -hmm. And I actually focus a lot on that in my natal readings. Um, I focus a lot on what's called uh, Chiron, which is a mm-hmm. placement in the chart called the wounded healer. Yeah. Um, and I look at that. So typically my sessions with clients are, you know, they're very uh, personal and we, we talk a lot about how the wounded healer shows up for them and how to heal. That's really amazing. I love that you bring shadow work into astrology and helping Thank people you. deeper understand their shadows through their astrological chart. Um, Thank you. Uh, what I want to ask you next is because there's so many uh, there's so many ways people use astrology and how do you see astrology and how do you use it in your work specifically I know you touched a little bit on it but like what how would you define astrology Mm -hmm. yeah I think I think I think people, there's, you know, people use it for all different types of purposes. Um, I think that my approach to it is a little different because I don't use it for prediction. Um, To me, I more so find it useful to work with it in the present moment and to meet people exactly where they're at and to look at their personality and why they are the way they are and the patterning that's forming. Because really what astrology is, is it's you being able to recognize patterning. Mm-hmm. And it's the same with people, you know, people have patterning. And so it's, it's a tool to help me kind of 
it's like a, a mirror and a language and a tool for people to see themselves in. Mm-hmm. So for me, really what astrology is, is it's a mirror. It's kind of like a, a container through which people can study themselves because oftentimes they don't even know where to start. Mm-hmm. They don't even know how to do it. And this gives them like a safe container with someone holding space for them where they get to move through it with somebody and reflect on themselves in, in this safe environment that this chart provides. Do you think the chart really encompasses more like archetypal energies that, that are playing a person's incarnation in this lifetime? Yeah, definitely. A lot of it is definitely archetypal for sure. Um, and it plays out in so many different ways. So like the, every archetype has so many different expressions mm-hmm. and it just depends on what's happening with each archetype because there's like one archetype, but then a million sub archetypes within that archetype, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of learning about how things express themselves. Like for instance, a Leo is typically, I'm going off of actually a, a situation I had with a client the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, and Leo is typically the type of energy that's like charismatic and likes to be in the spotlight, likes attention, um, very creative, very flashy. But somebody who has Chiron in Leo, or if somebody has Saturn in Leo, or Mercury retrograde in Leo, they're not going to show up like a normal Leo. Mm. You know what I mean? They're going to show up as a repressed Leo, somebody who's maybe, it depends on what else is going on, but maybe somebody who's afraid to express themselves, Mm. someone who's afraid of rejection, Mm. you know? And so you just have to see what's going on within the archetypes, if that makes sense. Yeah. And that's kind of their work in this lifetime is unearthing that. Mm Mm-hmm. That makes yeah. a lot of sense. Okay. I sent you my chart. <laughs> <laughs> you did, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's talk about maybe some of like this, the key things you, you want to look for. If someone wants to do a self-study on themselves by referencing this episode. Mm-hmm, sure. So typically what I do is um, when somebody works with me, I send them an intake form and Mm -hmm. they, they have to kind of tell me exactly what it is specifically they're wanting to work on. So sometimes people uh, specifically struggle with shame or sometimes people specifically struggle with overspending or, you know, whatever. It's like a specific pattern that they're trying to get clear on. But I would say in general, if you're just looking at your chart, um, you know, if you're a beginner, it's, it's, this is a language, right? And so mm-hmm. you're going to have to learn um, what the signs mean, what the planets mean, you know? Um, it's, it's really going to entail studying what all of the symbols actually mean so you accurately can read the chart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so if it were a beginner, I would definitely say start off by getting really familiar with the signs, the planets, the aspects, the houses. Um, the elements, the modes. Um, So it's like all about getting a feel for that language. And then also um, just kind of noticing if you have more than one planet in a certain sign, if there's certain things in your chart that stand out, like for instance, for you, you have what's called a very large stellium. Mm -hmm. So a stellium is a cluster of planets. It's typically three or more planets that are sitting in one area of the chart. And 
essentially that draws your eye to it and says, okay, you've got a lot of Capricorn there, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so what does that actually mean? So you study a lot of Capricorn, but you also have to study the planets that are inside Capricorn because that's going to add extra layers of interpretation on it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a Saturn that's in Capricorn is going to show up very, very differently than a Venus in Capricorn or a moon in Capricorn, you mm -hmm. know, like there's crossover. Absolutely. Of course. But mm -hmm. you know, they're not going to show up the same necessarily. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, so with all that Capricorn, <laughs> I just laugh at it every single time. It's a lot of Capricorn. It's yeah. so much Capricorn. It's, yeah. I, it's all in the first house too, right? Well, so what's interesting is in the Placidus system that you yeah. sent to me. I want, I want you to differentiate this. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So there's something called a house system in astrology. And essentially, it's a way that the houses are divided in the ecliptic plane. So with the Placidus system, which is kind of the default system that people use, the houses aren't split equally. So you can see that two signs can govern one house. Mm -hmm. um, that's not the case in whole sign system, which is what I use. It splits all of the houses equally. Mm -hmm. And I... I use this system because I'm influenced by Hellenistic astrology. Um, mm. I took courses in that and my teacher was a Hellenistic astrologer. And so that is the house system that that tradition uses. And it's actually the most ancient form of looking at a chart. Mm. Um, and I found it to be the most accurate over the years. Mm. But um, with that said, it actually knocks that entire Capricorn stellium into the second house. And oh. so it's got a different interpretation. Oh, really? Yeah. That's really interesting because I've only seen it in the, in the, the Placidus system with the first house interpretation. Mm -hmm. What's the second house interpretation of it through this system? Yeah. So the second house, so you have the first house, right? Like, so it's basically an evolution, evolutionary journey. You know, you can, you can think about it as the soul being birthed into the chart. And so the first house is kind of like the baby, like you're being born into the world. You're understanding yourself. The first house is the house of self. Um, and then you get to the second house, which is really mastering the resources around you. And so if, you know, a client came to me and gave me the chart that I'm looking at right now, which is your chart, um, with all of that Capricorn, those, those planets in Capricorn in the second house, I would actually say that this person's um, here to really understand how to master the physical realm of life, to understand how to utilize their resources in an independent kind of way. Like they have to gain their own independence probably very early on, and they have to go out and seek their own resources um, and it's probably not going to be easy. It's probably actually going to be really, really hard. Um, it's, and it's interesting too, because you've got your North node in the fourth house, which is kind of a different energy. It's in Pisces and it's all about surrender, <laughs> you know? And, um, so it's got that divine feminine, but it's, it is interesting because that second house Capricorn kind of asks you to really understand um, independence and understand how to really um, get what you want for yourself um, 
and to really master the resources around you. So that means like maybe finances, like mastering your own finances, um, really being able to provide for yourself. It's that energy. That's so interesting. You said all that. Cause it's like, it's like you hit the nail on the head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is interesting because I know you and I have talked before and I know that you said that, you know, your your um, your path is very much so dev- devoted to the divine feminine and surrender and all of that. But it was interesting because when I saw your chart, I was like, that's fascinating because to me, it seems like and that's that's valid and that's true also in your chart as well. And there's an extra layer where it's like, and you're here to really be independent and mm-hmm. like. Yeah, learn about that physical, the physical realm of life and learning how to exist in that. Yeah, and I always, I've always had, a, I've struggled with this a lot because I have found myself to really be drawn to the mystical, the magical, the, mm-hmm. all the 12th house stuff. Mm-hmm. And yet I have a very earth heavy chart. Mm-hmm. And then like my son in Aquarius just kind of gets like really diluted and just kind of is in the background. Mm. and all these energies at work, I'm just like, it's, I've struggled to navigate all this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oftentimes when people have that much focus in one area of their chart, it really means that they're, they're here to really master that part. You know what I mean? Of life. Um, They're here to really focus on it and learn from it. And it's um, typically very karmic. Mm. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, so where does the shadow, the shadows come in? Sure. Um, so there's a lot of different ways that you can spot shadows. Um, one is, is um, what I mentioned before around Chiron. Mm-hmm. Um, so Chiron isn't actually a planet, though it's actually been termed a dwarf planet like, like Pluto. Um, but essentially it's kind of like a, an asteroid or a dwarf planet that orbits somewhere in between Saturn and Uranus and its archetype is the wounded healer. And so it represents the point in our chart where we've been wounded early on in life and where we really have to give back because of that. We have to heal. Um, and it's actually based off of a a story from Greek mythology from a centaur called Chiron, who was actually, he's actually a symbol of medicine and healing in today's culture. Um, but so he really represents that, um, he not like not, you won't necessarily be able to heal this wound. Like it, it might be something that you constantly have to work on, but it's there, it's kind of your greatest teacher at the same time. And so if you look at that, um, your Chiron is in cancer in the eighth house. Um, and so that says to me, typically people who have, uh, Chiron and cancer have, they could have, um, wounding around the mother. And sometimes it has to do with intimacy. Um, it has to do with not getting the intimate, um, nurturing that they needed growing up. And so they have to give that to themselves and then give that to other people later on in life, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because I have had a very harsh childhood. Um, Mm -hmm. And I would say the the wound at the point of penetration for me is actually family. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Chiron Uh, in cancer is all about family. Cancer is family oriented, but it's specifically also the mother. Yeah. And um 
but, and I don't know if this is like something that is, you could see it in my chart or what, but I've been really blessed to be in partnership with somebody who is, it's so different than how my family system is and how I was brought up. And it's really activated this need in me to be the nurturing mother to future generations. Mm -hmm. That happens a lot with Chiron where when you didn't get something as a child, it's kind of like your mission to give that back to people. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's one way that you can see shadow in the chart. Um, There's also what are called hard aspects. Mm -hmm. Um, So aspects are basically the ways in which planets talk to each other. Mm -hmm. Um, They form geometrical patterns with each other um, and they connect. And so there are harmonious aspects and there are harsh aspects. And the harsh aspects bring about tension. Mm -hmm. And so um, a square is a hard aspect and opposition is a hard aspect. And technically, um, a conjunction is also a hard aspect. Mm -hmm. So that I can, I feel I can go either way a little bit. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, But essentially, if you look at the squares in the chart, you can see where people come up against anger or they come up against... um, sadness, depression, anxiety, um, and you can see specifically why. Um, And so for you, like you've got the sun in the third house in Aquarius, and it's making what's called a T-square. That's a series of squares um, involving three planets. And you have a T-square with the sun, Pluto, and Mars. Um, And so Mars in the sixth house, a frustrated Mars in the sixth house in Taurus will feel really frustrated with, with daily activities, with daily routine. They find it hard and they struggle to actually nail down their routine, mm-hmm. you know, and that can create a lot of anger <laughs> and mm-hmm. frustration if it's irritated, you mm-hmm. know. Um, so that's another way that you can spot a shadow is just looking at the aspects and what exactly is happening with the signs and the planets and the houses. Um, and then also they're called malefic planets. So there's Mars, Pluto, and Saturn are classified as malefic planets. Mm-hmm. And they are the ones that kind of cause a little bit of tension sometimes when they're unhappy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you've got benefic planets. Benefic planets are ones that generally bring about you know, like Jupiter's a benefic planet. It brings about like abundance, luck, like, you know, whatever. Um, but the malefic planets, um, you know, they're, they're typically the ones that cause trouble, but they're typically the ones that also make you grow the most. Mm. Yeah. That's really interesting. Cause I know heard, I heard that Saturn is a hard teacher. Mm, Yes. And, um, now that it being a malefic planet, uh, that makes a lot of sense. So to look for Mars, Pluto, and Saturn, also where that those placements are in your chart. Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of tricky because um, some planets in the chart are generational. So everybody's going to have Pluto in a certain sign of their chart, um, depending on what generation they're in. So you and I will both have Pluto and Scorpio, mm-hmm. um, but you have to look at how it's playing out. So it's not going to be in the same house for everybody and it's not going to be surrounded by the same planets for everyone. 
And so it is very specific in that way. Mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Can you talk about Saturn? And yeah, because I just finished my Saturn return, actually, like January of this year. Yeah, for sure. I just started mine. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, Saturn is probably my favorite planet. Oh, really? Why? (laughs) Because I just, I love that there's just so much depth with Saturn. Um, And I think because my path is so characterized by shadow work I'm very drawn to Saturn and Chiron and you know because they they present like I also what's interesting too is I have a really strong Saturn in my chart so where's your Saturn my Saturn's in Aquarius um so that basically means that my uh my ascendant is also Aquarius which means my chart ruler is Saturn and and Uranus both of them um Anyway, I really, I really enjoy Saturn. I think that like, you know, he's really misunderstood Mm -hmm. (laughs) and um, he is tough, but he makes you grow. And I think that I just really resonate with that energy. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, Saturn, Saturn is a very interesting energy. He is tied to the archetype of Kronos, which is father time in Mm -hmm. Greek mythology And so he really symbolizes working at something over time. And people have referred to him as kind of like your life's work Mm -hmm. a little bit um, because it is, it, Saturn basically symbolizes wherever you have delays and limitations. It's kind of like a, a tough journey. It's kind of like the athlete that wants to be a famous basketball player but was born with like a a defect in his foot or something. You know what I mean? Then he has to like overcome it. That's also like a little bit of Chiron there too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But, um, but it does kind of symbolize like delays, limitations where you've been held back, but also where you have to grow the most. And it's over a long period of time and it helps you mature. It helps you grow. It helps you develop. And Saturn wants you to do it the right way. You know, it doesn't like shortcuts. If you want to take a shortcut, that's when Saturn gets angry Mm -hmm. (laughs) and slaps you upside the head. (laughs) Um, And so that's why Saturn return gets kind of a a bad reputation a little bit because basically he comes around and if, if you're not on a path that's really serving you, um, he doesn't want you to take shortcuts. He doesn't want you to not be true to yourself. He wants you to do things right. And he wants you to grow and mature and, and learn. And if you're really immature in one area of your life, he comes around and he puts you through experiences that will help you evolve. That makes sense. And this all really plays into what house the Saturn is in. Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, With the second house, can you, with mine's the second house, Mm -hmm. I just always laugh at my chart. I don't know why. (laughs) I'm just like, everybody's like, it's like a crowded room and nobody wants to leave. (laughs) Mine's like that too. So Um, I I get it. (laughs) I'm curious what would you would say about Saturn's second house, considering I just ended it, my, my Saturn return. Yeah, for sure. So um, Saturn in the second house, that's a lot of energy because you just have so much energy in the second house in Capricorn. 
Um, and so it's going to trigger a lot of things. And so it's going to mainly trigger things around resources, maybe things around money, maybe things around skills, like your skill sets. Um, the second house also has to do with non-tangible things like self-worth. Um, it's basically has everything to do with, it's a Taurus ruled house. And so it has everything to do with like, what you deem worthy, um, what you deem to be like a resource. So again, that could be your house, that could be your finances, that could be skills, that could be, um, yeah, just how you perceive yourself as worthy in the world and your ability to obtain um, material resources in this world um, through maybe like your skills, through what you're here to offer if that makes sense. Yeah, you totally hit the nail on the head there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because it's like, it's interesting you say that because like for me, it's like, it feels like more like an obsession that's there because there's so much energy there and I feel it. Like I cannot not think about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, it's interesting. In your chart, you've got Pluto as well, making aspects to all of that. And Pluto can bring about like obsession. Yeah. And it's like this need to like master it. Like, I want to be like, it's like, I was telling my husband this a couple of days ago. Like, I want to be a, I want to be like the master at this, like, like completely excellent, like an authority at it. Um, Mm -hmm. Yes. And just to like, just to get vulnerable here. um, And you were talking about shadows. Like for me, one of my biggest shadows is this, um, this, I guess this healing of this unworthiness stuff that's come I mean from I I had another um, astrology reading done from someone else who did evolutionary astrology so it was very uh it was very harsh Mm -hmm. the way that she read the chart but um a lot coming from a lot of oppression colonialism Mm -hmm. um past lives and then coming into this life with um no sense of foundation and sense of building my Uh, worth and recognition and I do and I talk a lot about human design but when you're a projector in human design you need that mirroring from your family because you can't see yourself clearly and when you're not getting that recognition from the other person who you can trust your sense of self-esteem is completely broken and shattered Mm -hmm. Um, which now makes a lot of sense with all that energy in the second house, why unworthiness and the the self-esteem and kind of creates like melancholy and depression and suicidal tendencies. Mm -hmm. That happens a lot with Saturn. Yeah. Saturn can be very depressed. And it's also interesting that you mentioned the family because you have your Chiron and cancer there. So dude, and like, do they create aspects where they might be like, um, how do I describe this? Uh, like conjuncting or squaring or one of those things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So your, um, Chiron actually makes an opposition to Saturn and Uranus. So they're talking to each other. So there's a connection, like you said, between the worthiness piece and the family, you know, um, the childhood upbringing, the not feeling nurtured, the not feeling, um, yeah, those uh, nurturing, nourishing, emo- emotional, um, it's, it's mainly emotional, you know, with cancer. Cancer is a water sign and it is, it's highly emotional. And it means that you didn't get the emotional 
um, nourishment that you really needed. And so that mirrors into the physical reality. And sometimes I would actually say that this person has such a hard time maybe mastering the physical realm because of that wound. Mm -hmm. Um, They're connected, you know. Um, Maybe it creates some sort of disbelief in oneself. Um, it can, it, it depends on, you know, what, what's, what else is happening in the chart. Um, and typically, you know, it's very common for Chiron to oppose Saturn because it orbits in between Saturn and Uranus. And so it oftentimes does, um, make an opposition to them. Um, but it, 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 they do kind of go hand in hand a little bit. If you can see how like the Saturn, Chiron shadow kind of works together a little bit in the chart. Um, and so, yeah, this would, this would say to me, say to me that this is somebody who's had a hard time mastering the, um, the physical realm, but it is something that they have to do and they have to learn how to master and they have to claim their independence and claim their authority in it because Capricorn is such an authority figure you know, it's like, it's the father energy in the Zodiac. And so, um, and so it's, it's really learning how to come into your own authority around taking care of yourself. That's really powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, because my Saturn return was exactly about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's not surprising. <laughs> but ironically, during my Saturn return, I also got engaged and married. Hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually not surprised about that either. Um, and that is because your seventh house, the seventh house's rule is, uh, it rules marriage and partnerships. And your seventh house is ruled by Gemini and the ruler of Gemini is sitting in Capricorn. And so when that hits, you know, your Saturn return, it activates that seventh house of partnership. So essentially, if you have a transit that's going through Capricorn, it's going to activate a lot for you. (laughs) Oh, wow. That's really powerful. And it's interesting you said it's sitting in Gemini because I'm married to Gemini. That's not surprising to me either. So typically people who I work with, um, they either have they either marry people with suns in the seventh house or moons in the seventh house, some sort of that kind of ruling sign energy that yeah. happens all the time. Cause my, yeah. part, my partner also has a moon in Capricorn, but his is in the seventh house mm. He's a lot, and he has a cancer rising and a Gemini sun, but he is like the most nurturing, emotionally stable human being I've ever encountered in my life, like in, in my close mm-hmm. circle. And, people in my life and it's funny because I go from this really really emotionally unstable really dysfunctional environment and I end up with somebody who's like can hold all my emotions right and that totally makes sense like that you find somebody who can nourish your chiron and cancer so somebody who has a cancer ascendant is going to give you the emotional nourishing because cancer is the archetype of the mother you know it's so um, it's so nourishing. It's so intuitive. It's so empathetic, you know, like it's really able to hold emotion very skillfully. And so it makes sense that you would find somebody to, uh, help you heal that part of yourself. What does the cancer in Venus have to do with it? Cause his cancer is in Venus as well. Okay. Interesting. So, um, I would have to see his chart and whatever is going on inside of his 
um, you know, his, his chart, but essentially that means that Venus inside of cancer, it, Venus really correlates to what we value and what we deem worthy. Um, it, it really correlates to what we find beautiful. And so for him, he's going to be attracted to somebody who, um, is very in tune with emotion, you know, who um, is very emotional, who shows up as the divine feminine. He's attracted to the, the mothering feminine archetype. That's what he deems worthy, valuable, pleasurable. Um, and so for you, that means that his Venus is actually going to fall in your eighth house which says to me that he's going to bring this like loving, nurturing energy to your house of intimacy. Oh, that's so true. <laughs> wow. That's really cool. Because <laughs> wow. it literally feels like I, when I met him, it felt like a puzzle completed. Right. Totally. That yeah. makes a lot of sense. Um, mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> what about like what we're looking for? Like we talked a lot about wounds um, and I think this is really helpful because it really helps us understand the things we're struggling with um, mm -hmm. and puts highlights that, but what about like, what about like our soul's path, our purpose, our, our, the themes we're here to explore in this lifetime? Sure. So there's like a few things that I look at for that. Um, and you know, I, there, I, I would say that most of my clients come to me asking me about purpose. Like mm -hmm. it's seriously such a common question. Um, and it's so different for everybody. And there's so many different ways to spot it. Just like you spot the shadow from a lot of different ways. You can also spot purpose from a lot of ways. Um, and one thing that I look at the most, one of the things that I look at the most when it comes to purpose is, is the North node. And essentially the North node is the energy that you're here to cultivate in this lifetime. It feels uncomfortable and unfamiliar because you know, it's not necessarily something that you know it's like uncharted territory but at the same time it is your soul's um mission to evolve in that area of your life and then your south node would be your familiar patterns that you lean back on when you feel unsafe you know what i mean mm -hmm. so it's kind of if you think about it this way it's kind of like somebody who is an anxious attachment style mm -hmm. and they work really hard at becoming a secure attachment style but then someone comes along that triggers their sense of safety and they fall back into anxious patterns that would be the south node some people also look at the south node for um, past lives as well yeah um, so so the north node is really um, kind of there to help you understand what you're wanting to lean into um, in terms of purpose and then um, oftentimes people associate Pluto to purpose. Oh, really? Um, yeah, oftentimes. I don't typically look at that as much, but it has been, especially evolutionary astrologers, um, they, they use Pluto a lot. Um, so I, I look at that, and then I look at whatever aspects are being made to the North Node. Mm -hmm. Um, and then it depends on what the person means by purpose. Like if they're asking me about career, yeah, I look at the 10th house. That's very telling. Um, I look at the career houses, which are typically the, the second, the sixth, and the 10th. Oh, really? Um, okay. I didn't know that. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. So if you think of, they're all earth houses. So they're all here to master the physical realm. So, so it's the second, the second sixth, sixth, and tenth earth houses. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so the second is really all about how you obtain resources. So, um, so, you know, that ties into career because it's how oftentimes people make money. Mm-hmm. And then the sixth house is all about like work environment and how you're here to serve. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the 10th house is all about, um, the 10th house is a very powerful placement because it, um, it has a major angle within it, um, called the midheaven. Mm-hmm. And depending on the house system, sometimes the midheaven can fall into the ninth house or the 11th house. Um, but the 10th house is really all about career and reputation. So traditionally in astrology, um, it was looked at, at, um, your, as your reputation, like your social stature. And then over the years, it got morphed into a career house and it's basically how people see you. Mm. Um, it's, it represents the highest point in the sky when you were born. And so if you look directly up, that's like, that's like the symbolism of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Like people looking up at you, you Mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. Um, So those are kind of the houses that I look at. So I look at what's happening there. Um, But like I said, purpose can, is so fluid and it can mean a lot of things, you know? Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, can I ask you what's mine? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So your North node is in Pisces. Um, and it's in the fourth house, which says to me, it's, it's interesting because that's very different than your Capricorn energy. Yeah. Um, so, so there's like one part of you that's really here to master the physical realm, which is your second house Capricorn energy. And then there's the North node that's in Pisces in the fourth house, which is here to learn about the home, the family, the hearth, you know, it's, it's that very like mothery kind of energy, but it's not something that comes right away. You know, it's something that you have to lean into that you cultivate, that you learn from. Um, And this is all about surrender because it's in Pisces. And so this is the very feminine aspect of it. And so um, Pisces is, um, all about surrender. It's about, uh, intuition. It's about really honestly looking at, it's highly spiritual. It's so, so spiritual and it's so connected to letting go and because it's the last sign of the Zodiac. And so it's connected to letting go before you're rebirthed into the Zodiac as a baby. And so um, the fourth house is a cancer-ruled house. And so that has to do with the mother and the home and the family. And so you're here to learn also about the domestic kind of side of things, the domestic life, you know? Um, And that could look like you um, learning how to cultivate that empathetic part of yourself, learning how to cultivate mother-like qualities, um, cultivating... um, understanding your childhood and drawing experience from it and learning how to cultivate empathy, connection to intuition, um, emotional intelligence, all of those Piscean sort of themes. Um, it's asking you to step into that as well. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, the, the astrologer who read my chart, uh, said this to me she she said that like you've really embraced your Pisces north node mm, like the yeah. intuitive the super like she kind of describes the Pisces as psychedelic 
Mm. Like it is. You're gonna be a wise lady who's gonna see like this is all just an illusion. And sometimes (laughs) I have moments of that, and it's like super, super spiritual, like kind of mystical experiences. But then there's this other aspect of me that's like, we want status, we want recognition, we want people to be like you know, we know Kajal is X, Y, Z thing and she does X, Y, Z thing. And I feel like I've really um, not understood how to cultivate that aspect of myself because it feels so different from how I really feel I want to operate in the world. Mm-hmm. And as you were saying this, cause I get images of me being a mother. Like sometimes it feels like my purpose is to be a mother and like mm-hmm. tend to my garden <laughs> and like and like just like playing with my children in the garden and teaching them how to grow their vegetables Mm -hmm. but then there's this like it's like it's like a split personality thing happening and then it's like we want to be like a powerhouse Mm -hmm. and is that the second house stuff going on there yeah Capricorn is a total powerhouse oh my gosh Capricorn actually rules the 10th house of career and so it is like it is like boss lady status you know Mm -hmm. it is very achievement based capricorn is extremely goal oriented Mm -hmm. Um, and its main drive is achievement Mm -hmm. Um, and it's very calculative in its achievements as well like it it um it, it goes about achievement in such a way where you know because like an aries style of achievement is like just going for it and it could be very impulsive and it's just like a burst of fire, you know, whereas Capricorn is very different. It's like this slow building achievement over time and you, you just climb and climb and climb and climb the ladder, you know, but it is, it's like tunnel vision is like the goal, you know? (laughs) Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. But it feels like those two sides don't talk to each other. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely, um, it's definitely a split for sure. So you can see how, you know, the chart is so dynamic, just like people are, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. what, what would you say if somebody has a split like this, like I do in their chart, what do they do to lean in to the part that they're, let's just say the part that they're here to really master in this lifetime, which I'm, I, I don't, I like skirt, skirt around it a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> um, yeah, I would say that um, I would personally say that there's a place for both. You know what I mean? And it's important to be discerning. Um, there's a time and place for both. And you can have both at the same time. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be an either or situation. It can be yeah, you're learning about the domestic life of motherhood and of, um, you know, emotional intelligence, tuning in and nurturing and all of those things. While also you have your goals and you're here to also master the physical realm, you know, they don't necessarily have to um, cancel each other out or, you know, you can actually, you lean into, into them both, you know? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Because for me, it feels like my physical work in the world has to support the ultimate desire which I have, which is raising a family and tending to the home and being home with my children. And so work has to be very much like self-created for me. It's, it's an expression of who I am, not I go get a degree and I get X, Y job and I do X, Y, Z thing. 
Mm-hmm. That totally. makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, can we talk about relationships? Yeah, probably, for sure. That's probably another big one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Where do we look for that in the chart? Okay, so there's multiple places. Um, I mentioned one of them earlier, which is the seventh house. Um, that one rules like marriage and, and partnerships, um, but it can also rule close friendships. So it's basically anyone who's in your inner circle. And so that's one of the houses that you want to look at. Um, and essentially in your chart, in your own chart, um, the ruler of that house is going to tell you a lot about who you're attracted to, mm-hmm. um, and what feels good in terms of partnership. Um, so you look at that and then you can also, depending on if you're male or female or, you know, um, whatever, however you identify, um, you know, men, straight men, um, typically tend to look at Venus, uh, for what they're attracted to in a female. And then women, you tend to look at Mars as well as Jupiter and Saturn, uh, maybe not as much Saturn, more so Mars and Jupiter. so essentially you want to look at like in a female's chart where, and of course we're just talking about like the traditional, you know, straight man and straight female. Um, you want to look at for a female, you want to look at the masculine archetypes. And then for a male, you want to look at the feminine archetypes. So you want to look at the moon and Venus. Um, so what's really, really important in relationship is that the um the moons get along oh really why i've because, heard that before <laughs> yeah so it's because um the moon is really how it's it's your emotions you know it's like your emotional body it's who you are internally and so somebody really has to understand you internally um but more often than not what i see is um people either typically have like, like, let's say like you and your husband, um, he's a Gemini sun and you're an Aquarius sun. So you both air signs and then you both have Capricorn moons. So your moons get along because they're both in the same sign. They understand each other's language. Mm -hmm. So that happens a lot. And then the other thing that happens a lot is the sun and moon are flipped. So for instance, you have an Aquarius sun and a Capricorn moon and your partner would have a Capricorn sun and an Aquarius moon. Okay. So that happens a lot, like a lot, a lot. I would say more often than the first scenario. Okay. Um, And I think that that's because um, there's like a lovely balance between the masculine and feminine energies, you know? And of course, this is going to differ depending on your sexual orientation. You know, I obviously want to speak to that. So like if you're somebody, a female who's drawn to other females, then you look at Venus. Um, You know, if you're a male who's drawn to other males, then, you know, you look to Mars and and Jupiter. Um, But so there are a lot of different indicators um, and there's what's called a synastry chart. So you can lay somebody's chart on top of your own Mm -hmm. and see how the planets interact um typically like moon venus interactions are really good moon to sun interactions are really good moon to moon um 
So there are certain things to watch out for. And you also want to watch out for the ascendant and the descendant. The descendant rules the seventh house, but anything that falls into the house of self is also something to look at. Um, so there's a lot of different things to look at when it comes to relationships in the chart. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. And then depending on where your Chiron, Pluto, and Saturn is, that will show if you have wounding around relationships or yeah, anything. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. That makes really, that's really helpful. Um, I want to ask you, what, how do you use, how can we use astrology? And I love that you use the shadow with astrology because the things we struggle with, they're laid out in our chart. <laughs> yeah, yes, totally. <laughs> so it's like you just learn the language and learn how to like do your healing work. But how do we actually like, how can we build, how can we use all this to like cultivate more self-awareness? Yeah, that's a really good question. I would definitely say, um, like I said before, like just learning the language of astrology and, and just checking to see like what feels true to you. Um, like I said before, astrology to me is just such a good mirror and a good tool. Um, and so it's really all about, um, you know, using it to understand yourself in the way where if you read about a certain placement, does it, and it triggers you, why is it triggering you? Where is that coming from? You know what I mean? (laughs) Um, and you know, like oftentimes more often than not, my clients end up like crying on the call with me and it's because we hit a trigger. You know what I mean? We're using, we're using it, this, this chart to, to look inside and to mirror, you know, the shadows. And so, um, I would definitely just like get to know your chart and then like just truly assess what you resonate with and what you don't resonate with, you know, Mm -hmm. it's okay if you don't resonate with some of it, it's okay if you do. Um, but honestly, it's just a really great tool to, um, for, it's just a good mirror really. Yeah, I like that you said where we're triggered because I get triggered by all that Capricorn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which makes a lot of sense because I think saying this out loud, let's just say it out loud. <laughs> I think it's a part of <laughs> it's a part of myself that I really am uncomfortable with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And it's interesting because I noticed that people who don't know their chart, if they don't like a certain sign it's typically the case that they have it in their chart like a lot of it oh that's really interesting yeah so if somebody says to me oh god i hate gemini's i hate that archetype i just don't like it it's more often than not they have a lot of gemini and oh, they don't that's know really interesting yeah I've, I've heard someone say they don't like gemini's and i'm like I don't get that, but, um, but I'm, this is also really interesting because I'm really inspired by Capricorns. Mm. They're just like these determined tunnel vision, like excellence achieving people in the world. And to me, they're very aspirational and I see it as something that in myself that I want, but like my, my whole like self-esteem erosion stops me from seeing myself in that way. Exactly. And that's what I was thinking when you were saying that is like, you know, you really admire and like Capricorn, but the Capricorn feels triggering to you because it feels something like it's something that's unattainable or it feels like it's something that's beyond your worth. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like 
a process of integrating that, you know what I mean? And, and seeing that in yourself, if it's triggering you and it rubs you the wrong way, there's a reason for that, you know? Yeah. yeah. It could and be a so, part of yourself you're denying or a part of yourself that you're not seeing clearly. Exactly. And so for that reason, it's really a great tool for self-awareness because um, you know, when you're, when you're feeling triggered, you're typically rejecting a part of yourself or you're not accepting a part of yourself or you're disowning it, or you feel shame or, you know, whatever. And it's just such a powerful mirror. Yeah. Where could you maybe like give a few steps? Like this is like the Capricorn coming in. It's like lay it out for me. <laughs> yeah, go for it. <laughs> if people are st- people are starting shadow work and you want to use maybe purpose, relationships, or career um, as one of your little lenses to look through as to see where your wounding is, what are the some of the steps people can use to start unraveling this within themselves? Um. You mean, so I, I don't know if I understand the question. Like unraveling the shadows that are coming up. Mm-hmm. Like what do you look at in terms of yeah, like what, certain areas? What process would you suggest to start the shadow work with now that you're aware that, okay, I do have a shadow around relationships and, you know, gotcha. my, my, okay. my, my Chiron says it or my Pluto really points to that. Sure. Um, so yeah, I, I promote inner child healing a lot. Um, so if you feel really triggered by something, like let's use your example with all of that Capricorn energy. And it's like, I admire that energy, but I don't see it in myself. And I feel really actually very triggered about that. Um, then I would recommend that you go sit in meditation and you really sit with that uncomfortable emotion and you tune into it and you ask yourself, what is it telling you? How does it make you feel? You know? Um, and like I said, you could definitely do inner child healing. So visualizing your inner child and asking it how it's feeling. Um, you know, and, and oftentimes you get the answer around, I feel abandoned or I feel like not good enough, or I feel like nobody wants to listen to what I have to say or, and that happens with Chiron a lot too, is there's a lot of inner child stuff when it comes to Chiron. Um, so typically for you, let's use your chart as an example, like going back to the family with Chiron there. Um, you know, I would, if you sat down in meditation, and you ask yourself why you're feeling so triggered by that Capricorn and your Chiron, your inner child (laughs) says, well, you know, like I wasn't told that, um, you know, I was good enough or I wasn't smart. Right. I wasn't told that I'm smart. I wasn't told that, um, you know, I have the skills that I need in order to survive and make a really good living for myself. And I was actually even told that I have to be dependent on somebody else to do that. And so I don't even know how to do that for myself. And, and, you know, if I was told that, then I must not be worthy of actually creating this like abundant lifestyle where I'm making my own money and I'm actually stepping into my independence and creating a life where I'm, you know, earning my own resources because, you know, it's a disconnect, you know, it's, and so it's like getting clarity on all of the, those things that you feel and all the shadows that sit underneath the surface um, because then that's where the healing comes in. So, okay, so we, we, we got clear on that. Now let's use Chiron again 
And instead of looking at the wound, we look at the heal, the healing part of it, right? And so, okay, the the way that Chiron um, heals the situation is it's sitting in Cancer, and so we say, okay, let's let's give you some mother energy, you know, let's like nurture you, let's like hold you, let's hug you, let's tell you that you're doing well, um, let's emotionally attune to you. use our intuition to really tap into how you're feeling and empathize and validate and, and really hold yourself like a mother would hold you. And Mm -hmm. so that's how you can kind of, um, in real life, apply the shadow work and also use the placement of Chiron because Chiron is your, your source of wounding, but also your source of healing. healing. That's really powerful. I love that you just guided through that because I felt those emotions arise in my body of like, I got teary eyed because I was like, yeah, this is the wounding. And it's, this is something I've been working on. I would say really, really intensely since I started my Saturn return Mm -hmm. Um, and everything that you said with the healing, like self-compassion is like where I'm at with myself right now. Yeah. That's a big one with, uh, with Chiron and cancer. Yeah. Yeah. Thank thank you for outlining that so beautifully. Yeah, absolutely. Of course. (sighs) (laughs) Um, wow, this was so much, so much, so much medicine here. I'm so grateful. Oh, I'm grateful to be here. Um, where can people find you on the internet and your services and everything that you do and your offerings? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I recently actually went full time with what I do. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. Um, So I made that switch. Um, So I'm kind of working on a website right now, but I've been operating off of an Etsy page for a while. Um, So my Etsy page is called All My Ancestors. Um, And I have my sessions there, my readings, but I also offer um, ritual candles and things like that. Um, So people essentially can work with the transits. I always promote working with the transits. So, you know, for instance, I have a Venus self-love candle, you know, and we just entered Taurus season, which is a Venus ruled sign. And so it's time to like really embrace Venus, embrace self-love, like do practices around self-love and then face your shadow around self-love. And so that's how you can work with the transits as well. Um, So I offer that stuff in my Etsy shop. And then um, I also write for a brand called Magic and Alchemy. Um, and it's owned by Tamed Wild. Um, so I write for their blog called Magic and Alchemy. And you can find my articles um, in the moon musing section. So I'm their new and full moon astrologer. Um, and that's magicandalchemy.com. And also um, I've written some, some booklets for Tamed Wild as well. So you can find some of my booklets on the Tamed Wild web- website. Um, and... I have a YouTube channel. (laughs) Um, So I teach a lot of stuff like this on my YouTube channel, though I actually haven't posted in a while. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Um, But I do have a YouTube channel and that's called All My Ancestors. Um, And then I also have uh, an Instagram, which is All My Ancestors. That's my brand name. Um, And I think those are the the main places that I can be reached. 
yeah awesome everything will be in the uh, show notes all of her all of Rissa's links will be in the show notes and my final question to you is what's something that you've gone through in your life maybe something that you've learned integrated now that's on the other side that has made the most impact in how you live your life how you see your life like how you move through life now I would say my biggest teacher has been authenticity. Mm. And so I'm always constantly checking in around authenticity and it's really shaped my reality quite dramatically. Mm. (laughs) And I feel that the more I step into it, the more I feel when something isn't in alignment for me. Um, And so I really use the chart to help me um, connect with my own authenticity and then also help other people connect with theirs as well, connect with their truth. So I would say that that's been one of my greatest teachers for sure. That's really beautiful. Is it possible for you to summarize where to look for authenticity in our charts? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I kind of think that the whole chart is is um, your authenticity, you know? Um, I would say, gosh, that's a hard one specifically. Um, Definitely look at, you know, the first house, which is house of self. Um, That's going to be very telling. Um, Also, I would look at Uranus. Uranus is the end Aquarius. That's the, those are the energies that allow you to dance to the beat of your own drum you know that's your own uniqueness it's where you know you're kind of it's it's really where you're like your own brand of quirkiness and uniqueness you know um those are probably specific things but it's kind of hard because i feel like the whole chart is really is really that yeah Awesome. I I just, it's interesting you said that because it's an Aquarius, like I see authenticity is like so sacred. Mm -hmm. It is. It's an Aquarius too. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't like anything mainstream. (laughs) Exactly. It's almost like you hate things that aren't mainstream just for the sake of it. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, I don't like anything that's popular. Everyone's doing this. I'm going to do the exact opposite because it's it's not even in alignment with me. I know I'm the same exact way. It's like, it could be a genuinely good song, but if yeah. like it becomes mainstream, I just like, uh, I don't even give it there. the time yeah. of day. <laughs> I feel you there. Awesome. It was so lovely connecting with you and thank you for everything that you shared. All of Riss's uh, links will be in the show notes. Thank you so much for having me. This was amazing. And it was so fun to talk to you and Um, And I really appreciate you having me on your podcast.